0: Welcome to the Limitless Career Podcast, the show where you hear the how, why and what it takes to build an ambitious and fulfilling career that stands out. Around here we believe that ambition isn't a dirty word and each episode will show you exactly what I mean. I'm your host, Jazz Broughton, certified career coach on a mission to empower you to embrace ambition, create your own rules, and create a career and life you never thought possible. I do this work and more with a dose of reality, curiosity, challenge, and intention to enable you to show up and go get the growth your ambitious career deserves. Welcome to this episode of the Limitless Career Podcast. I am, again, very, very excited to have a special guest with us today. And today, I'll be sitting down and having a conversation with Saba Zanovska. Hi, Saba. Hi.
1: How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How
0: are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. Can you give our listeners an introduction to you?
1: Okay, well, um, I guess how I refer to myself as a founder of a small consultancy company called Ventures Consulting. And um, what I do is I help startups, large companies, NGOs, um, to essentially um, take an idea for a software product and to turn it into something that is actually out there in the world and hopefully helping people. So I guess what we call it in like tech speak is um, product discovery and a lot of early stage design work getting feedback iterating prototypes and things like that and then actually getting getting the developers involved in that stage and then getting it built Uh, and that's a separate skill in itself working with devs to kind of turn, turn just some some ideas into something that's actually concrete and tangible and usable so so yeah so that's quite it's quite a big kind of process and there's a lot of different kind of skills that are involved in that and at a large company you would have you know five people with doing different parts of that but I kind of do I, I don't do the development bit myself but I kind of just do everything else mm. uh, and then sometimes I bring in um, specialists to kind of help me on specific bits of the project's quite big and I don't want to do it on my own um, but I guess I guess what's a little bit different about me is that I I do I don't like to limit myself to doing just one piece of that step and that's what my kind of consultancy is about and um I think that's kind of what a lot of clients like um -hmm. they it's kind of nice for them to have one person rather than five people sometimes for different (laughs) reasons so that's that's kind of like what the what
0: the idea behind the company and the consultancy is about that's great and i'm always here for lifting limits and (laughs) deciding to just be more open right um even just in a practical sense having a meeting with just you versus having a meeting with maybe three different people yeah dealing with different parts of the process must even be quite um
1: simplifying it's it is simplified i think i think a lot of it happens because of cost but i think then people realize that you get a lot of value from one having one person awesome. and five people but for me personally it's like i don't like to just be limited to to one thing I, I want to try different things the whole time and um so that's why i think just the that kind of i call it old-fashioned right like, mm-hmm. it's, it's the norm for a lot of people but just that kind of way, where I feel like I'm a cog in the machine. I just, mm. I just have that kind of feeling. So I, I've never really liked that, and I've kind of found my own way of doing things that maybe initially people found quite odd, but now, now it's kind of it kind of works. Works for a lot of people, not just me. Hopefully. When did
0: you first realise that that was your preferred way of working?
1: Um, probably quite early on in my career, I think. Uh, and I think I was always drawn to to roles where I got to work in like cross functional teams and things like that and um and I realized quite early on in in my career that I kind of liked making decisions and problem solving and so that kind of led to this kind of work quite early on in my career, even though I was doing something that was probably called a bit different, but it was at the core of it the kind of skills and trying out do, doing lots of aspects of a big project kind of I, I realised kind of appealed to me a lot so but there's not that many jobs out there that let you do that
0: I think. Mm. <laughs> that's really really great I think it's so important for us to recognise our preferred ways of working and seek that out or create it if we need to create it yeah. um, and it's always great to see more people do that one yeah. of the things that really interested me, you know, as I was thinking and reflecting on the conversation that we have today, is just connecting a lot with your mission and sort of passion for no code, passion for essentially translating this big, complex um, world of tech mm. to folks who have a great idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was? I guess what was what was your starting point for that sort of passion or the moment where you kind of realize okay this this is an issue here <laughs> right.
1: um, well i I think I was as clueless as a lot of people when I I hear what you know I, I hear people offering master classes in tech and how everyone can do it I, I see this kind of stuff out there and I just think oh gosh I really wish I had that sort of thing when I was straight out of university because I, I didn't know. I didn't know about any of this stuff to be perfectly honest. I was interested Mm. in science. I studied science at university. I have my bachelor's degrees in physics. So I always kind of knew that, you know, I was kind of interested and orientated in that kind of way. Um, But yeah, and and actually even when I was first starting out in my career, there wasn't a big tech scene Mm. like there is right now. So that kind of, there was, it it just wasn't around. And um, I just happened to, I had a few years working. I was actually in the telecommunications sector, which kind of fit with physics quite well. And uh, I just got the opportunity, somehow, crazy story, um, where I was looking for a job abroad because it was just a personal thing that I, I just wanted to experience working in a different country. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a contact of a contact was looking to hire somebody and he was based in the States. And as they were talking about hiring some, this you know, this person was looking to hire for this role. They were in a bar, and we, we were all in the states at a trade show. And I walked mm. into that bar, and he just came over and just straight up just offered me a job. It's so American, I know. Wow. And I, I, was, I was a skunk, to be perfectly honest, but <laughs> somehow it worked out. And a few months later, I was in San Francisco, and when I got to San Francisco, I was like, I was just immersed in this like tech. You know, mm. it's just it's like that's their world. It's their bubble. And I was like right in that bubble because at that time I'd gone to work for a tech blog. Mm. And, and so it was kind of my job to go out and speak to people. And I was just kind of learning all about this crazy tech scene. And um, and I was like, right, that's got to be, that's got to be my thing. These are my people. I mm. found them. They, they were out there all along. And um so that made me want to orientate my career. And for me, learning about all the different jobs that people did in a startup, for instance, because mm. most companies I was talking to were startups, um, I kind of thought the the kind of product role, where were you just owning a, a, a piece of software and you decide what it does and who, how it helps people and you figure out how to solve problems and you're responsible for the thing. It's like your baby. And mm. I just thought, right, that's my kind of thing. But I had to come back to the UK to do that because my visa was a Um, a specialist visa. So I came back to the UK. But at that time, that's when the whole thing where Cameron, David Cameron, the PM at the time, was doing all his PR for, you know, the old street, Silicon Roundabout, Tech City mm, kind of thing. And it did, it did, it was a PR job, but it did kind of work. And it it did kind of, also all these people were leaving the banks, right, because the financial crash happened. And so it was kind of a coming together. And I just kind of found myself in that when I arrived back from the States and All I had to say was I'd just come back from, you know, (laughs) just come back back from San San Francisco (laughs) and somebody hired me. It was so easy. And then it kind of just went from there. So I think it's like it's definitely things just happened and I was in the right place at the right time a little bit. Mm. But it was just just going for it and and kind of. Seeing how things panned out when I first left for the states, people told me I was crazy and that I was mm. ungrateful for leaving such a good job. But yeah. I just wanted to go and find the thing that was for me, and I, I just knew I hadn't didn't have it. If that, I don't know if that makes sense to other people, but that makes sense totally. Makes sense
0: to me. Makes sense to a lot of my clients. There's a lot around being open and almost going on this journey. It's almost like the modern day version of the person who goes off to live in Bali. It's you. Do you know what I mean? Like, and the the career version, it's just like, why would you give all this up just to go to this place? But you know, even when you were talking about San Francisco, you know, I've been there once um, for work. It's part of my onboarding. Two weeks there, and it was just you're in a bar, and all you're seeing is the logos of these tech companies on fleece jackets, on hoodies, stickers on the back of laptops. You know, and people. It isn't. It isn't an onerous place in terms of people being passionate about what they do. They are genuinely passionate about what they do. So it's not I'm not forcing you to have a conversation about the company you work for at the bar. It is just it's a way of of life. Um so I can only imagine what it was like in in that sort of time, that particular um moment, I guess, in the Zeitgeist where San Francisco was huge and growing in that bubble and that it place. And then watching that translate over to the Silicon Roundabout.
1: Yeah, and I think I mean it, the place definitely. I lived there for two years, mm. um, and the place definitely left its sort of mark on me. Um, and because it kind of just gave me a sense that, you know, I, I, the job I'd left when I was in London, it was it was too corporate for me. And mm. but it was it's just the the experience of so many people working today, right. Yeah. and i kind of felt like i i didn't fit the mold and that that was just something that was mu- something weird with me um and then you get to somewhere like san francisco and I, and actually everyone is quite comfortable with challenging challenging mm. that status quo it, it's i say that like it's like a lot of the co- a lot of the startups that grow out of san francisco end up being the kind of corporates that i don't like anyway so i'm not like i'm not yeah. like
0: I know I'm at, <laughs> this right? is the part that people don't tell about
1: the unicorn <laughs> yeah. situation it's just like you're a unicorn do, do enthusiasm yes. and challenging the status quo and why do we do things of the way we do mm. and just because things were always done that way doesn't mean it makes sense anymore and i've i've all i've still got that today and i still like in my day-to-day work i will challenge my clients to be like okay just through asking questions why is this the way, why is this like this? And it's only mm. when you ask those questions that people think about, yes, why, why is, we've just, you know, we just always <laughs> did things this way. And, yeah. and, it, and and that has just definitely just rubbed off on me. And that's, I think it's a, well, it's a good part of being a consultant, I I hope. But um, it just, yeah, it just, it's just the way I feel like things kind of have to be for me. Mm. That's just the kind of person I am. and um, And I feel like just being, working the way that I work that kind of I've I've kind of built this little world around me that kind of works for me um but it also just helps me to be a better consultant as well I think so
0: yeah I definitely think that that's so important and I relate to that that was much of the reason why I left my career in surveying is I was just in this you know hundreds of years old company one corporate cog in the machine in my little corner trying to be like we can do this faster cheaper more efficient increasing you know the experience of the client and there were people alongside me who got it but the people who ultimately made the decision were like no that's nice that's cute but no let's just stick with um yeah let's stick with the way of doing it um that we've always done right and obviously you know that everybody else alongside you is just like I hate the software I hate the system it doesn't work it breaks all the time right you know what I mean it's like yeah. I'm in an environment where you don't want to improve what yeah. <laughs> um, and then that kicked off my journey into tech where I where it was I felt it was the opposite it was like we expect you to innovate we yeah. expect you to be thinking continuous improvement growth mindset all of those things and I was just like you like me, you like me as I am (laughs) Um, and it's that, it's like finding your way of working and then finding the environment that suits you and for some people they find an organization and for others you create your own, you create your own ecosystem, you choose your clients based on those values that you hold dear, so again very much just putting out your sign to say this is me, if you like it, let's have a chat Um, and ultimately that is the path to satisfaction it doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect all the time but it's like if you could create your own puzzle why would you make yourself a square for a round hole you're yeah, creating think, the puzzle <laughs>
1: i think there's there's kind of two things around that i think like when you just talked about this like hundreds of years old company that's how i like that's how i picture the kind of system i feel like it's mm. you know um Companies. I, I'm very interested in companies, and I, I'll come on to that maybe if we if we have time. Mm. In a, in a but th- this whole system, I feel like, was designed in the Victorian times by a bunch of wealthy white men. Like, and I just cannot like I can't get with the program. You know, <laughs> I like. Why do we stick to this system? It wasn't fair at the time for people. Like, yeah. and it's, it certainly isn't isn't fair now. And it, and we see we see all the things that kind of fall out of that, you know, big companies not paying their taxes, or you know, um, you, you just there's a patriarchal society. In the in in Britain, we have all those class issues. All of the, mm. all of the the whole system, it's all entrenched in the system. It's never gonna. I'm, I'm a woman. I've got brown skin. You know, I I I didn't have wealthy parents. You know, all mm. of that stuff like. like I mean, I just I have to be a right idiot to think that this system is going to be fair for me. So I've, yeah. I've gone and just kind of found my own, my own kind of way. Um, and then I think my my second thing on that is uh, your what your point was that yeah, I mean you could you get into tech and you feel like there's a bit more of a of a license to kind of mm. well you, maybe you have to be a certain kind of person, right? But Oh, ultimately, also, th- these companies, these startups that we work with, they become like big corporations because mm. you, you get more of the people who are like, I'm thinking of my promotion, you know, or I, yeah. I don't want to rock the boat. Or some people are just, you know, they're just happy to plod through life. Not everybody mm. wants to kind of be the best the <laughs> they want to be. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just – that's <laughs> so just – you're going to get people like that. You're just going to get human beings like that. Not everybody – not very, everybody's like that, but like like the people I think we're describing ourselves as. Mm. And so for me in work, it's very much kind of finding people that are are like you, and 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 for me finding clients that are, are like me as well. Yeah. Otherwise, I do say, um, I do say I don't think this is the right fit for me. Or sometimes I just tell them I'm really busy, but when I'm not. <laughs> and, but I I, I mean I, I do very specifically work on projects that I think I find I'm going to find purposeful Mm. because actually if I don't find it purposeful I won't be able to get off bed in the morning and that's just who I am so there's nothing I can do about that yeah
0: (laughs) no I definitely agree even as you began kind of just talking about you know the world of work and the legacy of it where it came stem from you know recognizing um something I saw shared online that Henry Ford created the five-day work week now henry ford when i was studying gcse business was like the godfather you know it was like this is amazing this is the definition for professionalism this is a definition of like maximum output right all of this stuff that does not work for people who are not middle class white cisgender men right back in those days as well right um So 100% agree with you that it's like it wasn't designed for many of us um, in that sense. And then now kind of starting to learn the hard way that we have to unravel what that is. We have to unravel, like we get to define what professionalism was Mm -hmm. because many folks were excluded from the conversation of the rules of professionalism. Right. Mm -hmm. And even some people will go as far to say like professionalism is trash. It is patriarchy. It is. You know, I, I used to love watching shows like Mad Men because it fascinated me, mm. like the the time capsule where a certain shade of tights was, you know, stockings f- were the epitome of professionalism for these women who were already breaking the mould by choosing to work and have careers. Or lo and behold, this is spoiler, you know, choosing to say, look, I've been here long enough, I should be a director, I should be a partner in the business, being like... <gasps> What? Where's all your gratitude, woman? Like yeah. it's that. And we stay stuck in some really, really uncomfortable, I call them crunchy places, like, you know, when I work with clients on kind of trying to be themselves in an in a new environment. You know, the question is, are you crunching yourself to fit into this place? Are you crunching into someone else's definition of professionalism? Are you crunching into ways of working that don't suit you? If so, why? Because quite often at the bottom of that why is this inherent gratitude, whether that's like societal or cultural or somebody has explicitly said to you, oh, my goodness, you gave up a good job. What the hell is wrong with you?
1: Yeah.
0: So then you stay there all like crunched up in the corner.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I, I still don't know what to make of that. I mean, I think maybe some people would feel like, like, in – you know, it, it'd make them rethink some decision. But I just mm. thought, what, who, well, the people that said that to me, I was like, who the hell are you? Like, mm. you know, I just, I, I've never been very, this is why I'm just no good as an employer. I'm just not very good <laughs> at being, I'm not, just not very good at being told by pe- other people. So I didn't even like having a manager, like, right? um, I, yeah it's 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 just it's just a weird system to me and 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 I, I don't I don't understand why so many people don't feel like that and why mm. I feel like that but I just yeah I, and I've never liked people telling me um how I should progress in my career how I which direction should I go into grow mm. all of that stuff because you know like um you the idea is like maybe when you're young, you know you you're you start working at a company and they train you up and they hmm. set you on a path. I don't want that I'll find my own path, thank you, like you know <gasps> oh. I, just, I just don't like it it doesn't work it doesn't I don't know why do we do it this way i
0: <laughs> I don't know, oh my gosh, bringing back more memories of being a surveyor, so I was a trainee surveyor, and it was an interesting experience for me because. I had already had experience as a property manager. So I had years of experience in property, but then also experience working. But they didn't know where to put me because the system is thus that you're either qualified or unqualified. And if you're Mm -hmm. unqualified, you need to be on the two-year program that turns people out. So I was an experienced hire that was technically on the graduate scheme, but never on the graduate scheme because my team were like, why are you going to go off and do that? You can actually do work and do these projects and lead on these clients now. Mm -hmm. And it was just so interesting. And that was, aside from realising I was in an environment that wasn't ready to grow or wasn't interested in change, um, the second path was just talking to people who had quote-unquote qualified, right? They'd they'd reached the holy grail and they had fulfilled it in this intense two-year track that all of us were just churning through. They'd made it to the other end. And I had candid conversations with them about what they earned. What they did with their day-to-day
1: mm.
0: and how they felt about their work freaks me out. I was just like, that sounds so boring. <laughs> that sounds so, so boring. That sounds like there is absolutely no difference. This is a game. <laughs> like, mm. this, is, this is ridiculous. You're not doing anything exciting by your yeah. own admission. So you've just been lulled into this factory of, like, Oh, when you finish the scheme, which which rotation are you going to stay in? And nobody's ever doing anything particularly significant. You're not connected with the work that you're doing. You're also not getting paid that much more, mm. especially, again, we're talking corporate here. So in the light of how much money these companies make, right, they phone you a couple of crumbs to say congrats on, like, getting qualified, yeah. right, and it's not free to get qualified and all of that stuff. And I was just like, this is not the path for me this is actually not the path for me and this is no offense to anybody who likes the safety and the security of that right that I feel like the conversation that we're having is about our preferences right yeah. and your preferences are your preferences if you want this because there is there is value in that right there's value in knowing how much you're going to get paid at the end of that two years knowing that as long as you chill out and you, you know you're relatively comfy You've got a pretty guaranteed job, right? Churning out, working with the same clients, doing yeah. the same. I was in valuation surveying, right? So you're working the same patch year after year. It's pretty stable. Stability motivates you. It's your thing. Stability, I like it. I appreciate it. I kind of have experienced that it. it's a little bit of a myth. So I'd rather just live my life and my career with a little bit of adventure and a little bit of openness. Yeah,
1: I, I, I do get people who say kind of say that to me that, oh you know it's quite scary like I mean I don't sometimes I don't have visibility on what work I'm going to have a couple of months ahead Mm. and I I'm I'm actually very comfortable with that uncertainty and I kind of financially like I always plan for things like that for rainy days blah 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 Mm. Um, I don't have kids so that is you know it's a bit easier so the one I always get is like well you know I've got I've got three kids and you know that's expensive, and I and I can't. I was like, okay, fine. You know that's mm. if that's what kind of suits you, and so I do kind of understand that. But I think the whole idea was stability, and going back to your your Henry Ford point. Okay, so you had you had a car factory, but back then, what how lot how you know what were people's life expectancy, and how many how, how many years would they work? It's mm-hmm. nothing compared to you know we'll be working till we're seventy. Oh my I think, goodness, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty so, much. Like, I started in my early twenties after grad, so that's you know nearly fifty years of working. Is that whole like production line type of let's go, <laughs> let's go with surveying? Are those people going to do exactly that same thing day in day out for nearly fifty years and not mm. go bonkers? I think anybody would go bonkers. And I, I actually, I, I sometimes like get, from my undergrad, the university I went to, I. I'm I'm on the alumni something and I get Mm. young students call me up and they ask me questions about careers and stuff like that and I always say to them look just just remember just one thing if you could take away one thing remember (laughs) you are going to be working a long long time so make sure you enjoy what you do but also don't Mm. feel like you need to do that one thing your entire life do two three things three things have multiple career changes but it's just not because it's just not feasible for humans not to be you know just absolutely fed up and bored of what they're doing it's yeah I think that's inevitable and I'm not and I, that goes for me as well I don't do I think I'm going to be a consultant until I retire and do this kind of work I don't know I'm not, I'm going to be open to other things actually I have
0: other interests as well yeah a hundred percent and it's so it's so interesting you mentioned that because I'm currently taking part in um uh, an effort to essentially get girls to consider STEM subjects when choosing A levels, when choosing university degrees. And it's so interesting. I was talking to my friend about it and um, just talking about how it's great that we're doing this, but we also want to open up the fact that you can work in tech without even having a degree. Because when we start to talk about degrees, I, I grew up in a family society context where going to do, University was almost the default. So then you forget that it's actually a privilege. It is a privilege Mm. to be able to go, regardless of whether the government's funding it for you or whatever, being able to not have to go straight into the workforce um, and to continue your studies is a privilege. But it was also interesting on another level because I was like, I'm I'm going to tell these girls that if they're interested in STEM subjects to study them, I'm not going to lie to them. I have no technical background. I hated maths at GCSE level and it like, it didn't change my path. Now, fair enough. Again, I'm still part of the program because I wasn't aware of tech until I was already like, five years postgraduate. If I knew about it before, I probably would have been there before. Um, And that's because, you know, I work for an analytics company, but I like people. I like logic, right? So I might not be good at the traditional way that we think of maths, but in the practical sense, let's look at conversion rate. Let's look at funnels. Let's look at adoption trends. Let's look at all of the mathsy stuff that my head was just like, I can't compute. Apply Mm -hmm. that to a business and it clicks for me. Um, and it's really, really interesting the messages that we share with younger people based on our lived experience. And I a thousand percent agree with you that it is about just, for, do not put the pressure on you to be like this is my career for life. This 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 GCSE choice is going to dictate my entire path. Yeah. It's going to open some paths for you. It might make a few paths seem a little bit blurry. But it's not definitive. You're growing and evolving as a person. And if we kind of stay in this linear path, you close your mind to, like, other stuff. Like, I've got um, my niece chose her GCSEs. And it was so tough talking to her because she was just like, I love art and design. but I also love coding. And they're in the same block, so I have to choose. And I was just like,
1: oh, I know. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so unfair. I'm just, I'm trying to think back to like, what was it like for me? It feels like so long ago now. Um, I actually loved maths and I loved science. And, but I actually, I do agree with you that to work in tech, you don't have to have had those GCSEs or those A-levels or, mm. of to university. One, I work with, so, I work with developers, right? Lots of developers. And so many of them are self-taught. So you mm. can be self-taught. And actually, like, I've, I've got one developer I'm working with right now who's just, you know, a year out of university. And 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 he said, well, look, I, I you know, I, I got my degree, but when you go into the world of work, it's completely mm. different. It's, you mm. know, all, the, all your computer science degree is tells an employer is that, OK, we've got a starting point. You're at a starting point and you've spent mm. three or four years learning, right? Um, so... So that I mean, so we we do have self taught. We have loads of self taught de- developers in the in the industry. So I think almost to the point where I would say, you know, think carefully whether you want to spend that money on a mm. degree because it's so expensive. And I I, I do appreciate it. it's a lot harder for people than it was for me. Top up fees came in a couple of years after I graduated. I think. Mm. Um, so and and then the other point is actually also is. Um, i I went to university because it was just something that was personally important for me mm. and what one I just have have a love had a love of physics and I've just really I just couldn't imagine just not learning more about yeah. the universe and everything like that right um, I already knew I probably wasn't good enough to go into like academia because those people are just crazy crazy intelligent on a whole mm. different level. And I have I I know because some of my classmates are, you know, they're, you know, nuclear fusion scientists and crazy stuff like that. So um yeah. But it still kind of it gave me a lot of skills. Like I think, you know, like really like it took my problem solving skills to a different level. You and you just come out with like I've just it's, it's I've had I've had certain things be easier in my career because I could just point to that thing. I should just point to that degree and mm. people were like, whoa, OK, yeah. So this girl's smart. Um, and it just gave me a it got me a sort of a level of respect that actually I did find really helpful. And and also just being the whole woman thing, you know, because. You know, I still get people who like when they're explaining something that's a bit technical. Sometimes, you know, they 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 slow down how they talk to you, and yeah, and that really patronize. I still I still get that, and I, I I know how to tell people to stop doing stop that. Stop it! But, <laughs> yeah, like, literally, like I, I got it. Thanks. Yeah, for, thank you, thanks very much. But I'm I'm good. That sort of thing, but it it still kind of happens. But that my having my degree just really really kind of helped in that sort of regard. I think I didn't mm. have it as bad as some other people. But I will say the whole time, I think things are improving. Mm. Um, but I, but at the same time, like my brother, for instance, he's an IT engineer, security, like does all that back-end infrastructure crazy stuff. Did He didn't do well at school at all. I think he got mm. five GCSEs. He didn't, didn't have any A-levels, completely self-taught, super, super technical, far more technical than I am. Yeah. right saying and I'm just telling you I went and got a degree and everything like that mm. so you, all of this stuff and and I think with him is like some of the things that you were saying that you know he he just doesn't like mm. learning in that traditional way even now mm. in the pandemic I'd be like I would take all these online courses every and, I was <laughs> and he wasn't he just wouldn't do any of it because it's just not how he learns and it's not how a lot of people are so, so these young people kind of writing themselves off mm. because they feel like they weren't good at maths in the in you know at school oh it's just it's just too early to be writing yourself off you it just mm. i think some people and I, I wish there was a better way of helping people young people work work this out that once you're in the environment and you're doing a job and you're interested in the problem that you're solving for instance that you will you will learn certain skills and you might learn things that you would not have learned in the classroom but you find that you're actually quite good at Mm. and i don't think we've kind of got that we haven't got that right for young people yet
0: yeah yeah definitely i think that's why it's so important to have more and more of these conversations to keep on mentoring sharing um all all of the things so that we can just be added to the voices saying hi hey just a thought
1: <laughs> yeah but also just, just encouraging people to keep and i, I women i do think we need mm. not just in coding but in just product you no, sorry in in tech roles just generally yeah um, part of that product
0: journey 100 percent. product managers ux ui like
1: yeah especially I say I'd say in like um, in UX UI and user research actually there's been a huge influx of women in the past few years so mm-hmm. I got my master's just a few years ago and like uh, in, in the in the cohort that, that I was in it was something like 90 percent women on that master's course mm-hmm. and, and the 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 lecturer who was like, yeah, I don't know what's happened this year is 50/50 and then since then actually it's been very heavily whim- women in on the course mm. that people are, women are very interested in those kinds of kinds of jobs which is great because then we we it's a it's just good to have them in tech right But um, in coding, obviously there's, we know there's a challenge, but actually I would say in product management, which is like, that's the core of kind of what I like doing. And I like doing it because I like making decisions and leading and owning products. Um, there's just such a dearth of women. It's just depressing. And so, whenever I see like, let's get let's get girls mm. into code, I'm like, no, let's get them in charge. Let's get them, you know, running the product and telling the yeah. developers what to make because we don't have enough of those. And actually, when you really think about it, when you really, really, and this maybe sounds really harsh, but developers are just doing what the product yeah. person yeah. and the designers and the CEOs have all decided the product should be. They're just just turning it into code, mm-hmm. you know? And so they're not, it's not, they don't get to make the decisions. A lot of the decisions that are important about how things work, who it's for, how do we make it inclusive? All of that's been done. You're just, you're coming in at the end. And um, and so, and, and if we want tech to work for everybody, if you we, if we want it to be inclusive, if we want algorithms that don't have bias, I think, you know, you need to focus not just on the people writing the code. And I don't know why that's not, I don't know why other people don't see that, Yeah, to be honest, because it's dead obvious to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. Oh, it's all about the decision making, 100%. And you touched on it before, and I definitely want to make sure we've got time to explore your passion around companies, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, There's and I think this was kind of born out of, my just my work kind of experiences. So, so a lot of the work that I do now is um, um, due, due diligence, anti-money laundering software mm. compliance for financial institutions. So, um, because there's just, I mean, if there's any, the worst pandemic on this planet is, well, I would say, you know, the the you know climate crisis but actually a big part of why we're not getting to grips with it is this: the whole financial system, the, the fact mm. that people and corporations don't pay their taxes. There's so much crime that's financial mm. crime. And, um, and you know, it's the people, everyday people that suffer. And the reason I actually got into it was just my experience of not being treated, not being, I mean, I didn't kind of get into the not being treated so well bits, but mm. that, that that did also happen. And it did make me evaluate why. Also, on top of all the things we've talked about, like what am I doing working for a company? Um, they don't behave in great ways. We had Enron that happened around that time. Since then, we had the financial crisis, and and who who paid? We paid, right? Mm. And uh, and then we and then I thought, okay, like I'm quite happy with us maybe trying to balance our books a bit better. But what I didn't like was, um, you know. Big corporate. There was a big story around Vodafone. I remember who who did a sweet deal on their taxes, and and meanwhile we're having to put up with all this austerity and nurses aren't getting pay rises. And I thought this is just so rubbish. What is going on here? And yeah. actually, tech companies are terrible because they weren't paying. they don't pay. Like some of them don't pay any tax in this country, and we haven't yeah. got money for stuff. We haven't got money to feed people, clothe kids, all of that stuff. So I kind of just really got. I got really interested in why this happens at corporations. And, you know, um, they're they're better thinkers than me on this, but who have written about corporate culture and groupthink and tribalism that happens in corporations. But um, a lot of the the money laundering is just absolutely atrocious. And and London Mm -hmm. is one of the worst places on earth for, for that kind of for enabling that sort of thing. Mm. And so that kind of, so all of that kind of just really got me interested in like, okay, what can I do? And I actually, I can use my skills to help develop better systems and ways of working, mostly designing software to Mm. kind of combat this sort of thing. And (laughs) <laughs> We're not doing very well to be perfectly honest, so I'm not blowing my own trumpet here because mm. apparently only about three percent of financial crime actually gets you know Resolved, detected, yeah. and you know those people are held to account so w- w- this is, it's terrible, but we've got to start somewhere and um and I kind of feel feel like i'm I'm in that fight and it's it's a kind of weird place to be because you know I've just told you I run my own company and I don't like companies. <laughs> So the system is like so kind of the system of corporations is just so ingrained in our world economy you can't kind of get out of it but um, I'm very I'm very I'm I'm very reluctant to I'll, I'll, I don't think I'll ever be able to become an employee again but um, I just I have a very funny relationship about corporations and I'm doing my tiny little piece to maybe try and help combat some of the worst abuses mm-hmm. and um, in terms of financial crime and, I, and just not working as an employee for a company kind of, I think, mitigates some of the harms I think they that a lot of people face working for companies actually. And yeah. I feel personally in a much safer space, even though I have no job security and you know, if a pand- if, if 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 there was another pandemic and everybody went on to furlough, I you know I possibly would lose work and things like that. So, but I, I kind of I accept that as part of how how I work and how I live.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, thinking sorry. about what you said about no, no, no. Like my brain is churning right now because just thinking about what you said about groupthink and how there's almost, there's, there's an aura around the crime itself of it becoming acceptable culturally in an organisation. Yeah. And I wonder what that means for those of us that are maybe the regular Joes, couple of layers down in the organisation, like, are there things that we could be doing? Are there questions that we should be asking at town halls and all hands? Not saying that we're going to incite a riot here, but even if you're listening from a perspective of I actually don't know my company's ethos on this
1: yeah,
0: or what, you know, what happens. You know, I work for an analytics company. So we make it our business to know where our data is stored globally on the planet, right? We know where our yeah. data centers are. Do we know where the money is? Do we know yeah. where the money goes? Yeah. Do, do we know what happens to, you know, when you look at your usual payslip and you see your tax contributions and you see, mm. Do we understand the full journey of that? And like, what could we be doing at a grassroots level? Or indeed, if there's technologies that we should know of.
1: Yeah, well, actually, on the grassroots level, actually, there's a lot that we could all be doing. Mm. And, and this, we're getting better at this. Um, there was a, a report, I think it was um, Bloomberg. Bloomberg do a, like a green climate, green newsletter. I, I highly mm. recommend it. There was one about corporate activism. And um, they said that corporate activism has Actually, I thought it was a very positive article, but because they said about 40 percent of companies have had some kind of corporate activism where. Um, Like NGOs, like they might have bought some shares and therefore they get invited into the meetings or they can influence who's on the board. And they're trying to become, make companies more accountable. Like what are they doing to achieve net zero, stuff like that. Right. Mm. And that's been great. But that can also be driven by employees if you're already there. Um, I think so. They said something about 40 percent of companies, which was I mean, it's that's way better than where it was just a few years ago. So that is something to be celebrated, and it's only going to get better. I really, really think that. Mm. So, but it is you can ask about your own company. So I had a friend who um, met up with just a few weeks ago, and she said, um, "Yeah, so I've got this dilemma, right? Because this group of friends we'd, we'd worked in all this AML kind of stuff, so we're, yeah. we were all quite well aware." And she said, "Yes, yeah, so my current company." They're, um, they announced that they're going to be moving their tax status to Jersey. Now, Jersey is one of those places you go when you want to avoid paying tax. It's all legal, obviously, but mm. it's not. We, I don't think it's right, and so I'll put that on the record. And so she said, so obviously she didn't think it was right either. She said, so what? What do you think I should do? Should I say something? I was like, yes, I should definitely say something.
0: You mm. know, but you
1: know, f- just got to figure out how to say it. And um, but you know, that's that, that. A lot of people don't kind of have that awareness of. How the the company that they work for is actually trying to get out of paying their fair share for Mm. all of society, right? And so, but also you can do it like by where you shop. Like I didn't, I haven't, I never shopped in Topshop for like a decade before it went under because I was like, well, that guy's tax status is in Monaco, doesn't pay a penny here. Mm. Um, Didn't didn't shop at Amazon? Don't shop at Amazon because they hardly pay any taxes. Mm. Uh, Even though when people say to me oh, well, um, the, you know, the savings are passed on to the customer. I was like, well, okay, mm-hmm. so, you know, Amazon, they deliver That's their the products. Fire I, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, the, the, the argument, I said, well, they use our roads. Well, somebody needs to pay for those roads. Why do we have mm-hmm. to pay for those roads? And Amazon doesn't pay for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, doesn't. it's not in people's consciousness. Yeah. And so... I that that so we've got a lot of work to do there to be perfectly honest but actually I think that is a a really important thing and I I don't understand why it's not a thing already I mean this is this is a company that you work for day in day out it's where you spend most of your conscious time you know Mm. um and and I, I don't know maybe I I'm strongly driven by purpose and and at the very least you think that we're, we should all be pulling together in the same direction and so I, I would i would encourage everybody to really be aware of where profits go are you uh, is your company paying their fair share are they doing the right you know all of those things are they doing the right thing how they how they treat your colleagues all of that stuff i just it just should be part and parcel it's meant to be part of the this it's meant to be how our system works but mm. sorry, it doesn't it just doesn't happen yeah, and those, those those companies who are bad on those things, they're bad usually bad on how they treat their employees as well. To bring it back to careers, I suppose.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. There's so there's so much, so much to bring awareness to um, about kind of just existing quite consciously in society. Right. Yeah. It's that element of it's not on your radar. So it's not a problem until it's a problem that's in your face right It's not a problem until you open up the computer and your company's in the news for all of the wrong reasons, and you're just like,
1: yeah. "Ah, okay, but you might be the victim of a, you might be the victim of a financial crime right yeah. uh, and 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 that affects you it affects you know yeah. um it has a fundamental effect on your life and so and that's increasing, but it's it's just it is it, it again comes back down to when you're working, when you're going into your office, or whether at, at home or you place of work, when you the place you go into day in day out, you work hard, mm. and th- those companies need to do the right things by by you if that's how you want to work, yeah. um, and the right thing by the rest of us as well, and and I don't know why like. Um I, I just seem to see something that wasn't right for me right at the the start, like going back to how we started this conversation. And and so these things kind of just stood out to me, but they just I don't know why they don't stand out to other people, or it maybe it's accepted that you can't do anything, or maybe some people just wanna take their paycheck and go home and play with their kids and not think about it I don't I don't mm. really know what it is but for me it just always kind of stood out it just doesn't the system doesn't make sense to me and mm. um and I, I'm not saying I've got all the I've got all the answers but because but I'm kind of doing the, the best that I can I suppose mm. um and just trying to keep happy and sane and, and actually all make a living myself
0: yeah yeah it's it's that part it's that tension it's like i'm gonna be part of the system that is poisoned right i'm not gonna go as far as saying broken but it's poisoned so it's like how do i exist by not getting poisoned myself but like fighting that how can i be the antidote in this sort of moment while still grappling with the fact that i'm still a part of the ecosystem and you know i think that goes a lot back to what you shared around being thoughtful and who you choose to work with and yeah. what their mission is and what they're going to have you working on and developing and bringing to light. Because in the same way that we, we put folks who were part of key Apple technology developments on a pedestal, Netflix technology developments on a pedestal, we're aware, right? We each yeah. have our own footprint. We have our own legacy of being a part of creation, full stop so actually understanding that okay when I sit down and think about the last five years of my career am I proud to, or at least neutral to be aligned with these companies right or do I kind of live in fear of the bogeyman of the company that I spent two years with and I knew they were doing pretty shady stuff
1: I, I, I think it's impossible to kind of get out I mean it's it's I'm afraid it. I think it's so bad it's impossible to be like squeaky clean and say that I've not you know we we I'm I'm not an iPhone user anymore and actually stopped being an Apple customer because actually you know those they, they you know they, they, their phones are made in china and that company foxconn they, mm-hmm. the stories coming out they're dreadful that you know the suicide nets they had to put up because people were taking their own lives
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: so you know it's but it's, it's impossible to get away from because like i stopped eating meat because i was just really sick of the deforestation and then mm-hmm. and then you're like okay but shit oh my god sorry pardon me Good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the the, the um, switching to soya soya is the second highest cause of deforestation you're like oh, oh. God, i can't win i can't win it's impossible so it's i'm not like so i'm not kind of here preaching to say like look there's a different way and if you just mm. did this you know the world would be a better place it's it's hard right but mm. just just being aware and just trying to do our best will go a long way if we all try to make a change but i don't i think people are asleep on on some of these things and yeah. um and, and and when it's like your your day-to-day place of work i just kind of feel like do the right thing for yourself and then try mm. to do the right thing for us more broadly cuz it's we're not in a good place as a not the the planet's not in a good place let's just say right so Mm. yeah and it's that I think that's what
0: happens is you know the the proportion the significant proportion even just talking about the funds that should be paid in taxes can make such a difference it can make so much of a difference that we aren't ultimately paying for it on the other end yeah by seeing things crumble around us and donating and filling the gap Do you know what I mean? This is not me saying there's anything wrong with donating, but there's an element of your donation should be a surplus when you think about how much revenue... Is actually being lost from these corporations that pay yeah. your salary right it's it's shifting the money around but the money still like nurses still need to get paid yeah right community yeah. centers still need to exist um homeless shelters still need to exist things like that still need to exist and if the government is not ca- taking care of their people then the people end up taking care of the people or the government go mm, we're not getting the money from corporations so let's just income tax it out of people right the money has to come from somewhere but if it was coming from the correct place then it would feel a lot more balanced it would feel less you know at the time of recording the the rises in the rates to individuals in society are in many ways you know lifestyle and not in the instagram shiny way but lifestyle threatening in the sense of okay how do i make this money stretch in light of inflation in like it's it's always
1: comes back to the like this would be the tech way of doing things and this was the old way school way of doing Mm. things right it's like your your 100 year old 200 year old company were like this is the way it's always been done and 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 those people always got away with whatever they wanted to get away with like you know some people Mm. say that the uh, the fine the finance person is a protected species This was a line Mm. used by some important banker person at some point, right? But in, in a tech company, what would you do? You would work the problem and the working the problem, mm. right, would be like, oh, actually, if we we could penny pinch from nurses at the bottom here, or we could go mm. after the big pots of money up there, you mm. know, it's just logical. It, and it's like, so it's, it's almost like those two worlds are being shown in this kind of in this kind yeah. of problem. Um, and there's another... I hope another attractive thing about tech but I totally appreciate mm. that tech companies are some of those companies also not paying their fair share as well but.
0: yeah oh, I'm so glad that we we were able to kind of explore that because I think it's something that I'm always very curious about and yeah want to bring awareness to the stuff that I'm not aware of right I live in the knowledge I don't know all the yeah. things
1: but but also like the the thing is like a, a lot of people kind of get this like um, wrote, they have a rose-tinted view of tech as well, mm. and that you know, it's all it's all the clever people. They make new shiny things that I like mm. to use. Isn't Instagram great and all of that <laughs> stuff? But you know, we're we're at we're at risk of becoming the next bankers, yes. Because of some of the things that oh, yeah. you look at, if you look at Uber and how they behave, if Apple and mm. the things with they've got issues with sustainability. If you ask me, um, Google has. Uh, issues with diversity and mm. um there have been stories coming out of there about you know um so some of the ai algorithms that have been worked on if you if you yeah. try to speak up about how then they're, they're not doing things quite right people mm. have been fired for that there are loads of issues in tech as well um but being being kind of open and aware to them and, and actually trying to, you know Rather than just just kind of ignoring it and saying, "Isn't tech great? Yes. And isn't tech amazing?" Yeah, it's, on. What, it's it also in why we need ground. more women in tech because I think there's a dearth of diversity, just all kinds of diversity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's important for that reason as well as we want women in the future, in particular. But I, I mean, like people, I'm talking about diversity generally. I'm not just talking about mm. women. But we need we need a diverse group of people in tech for for tech, but not just because those those groups are missing out on opportunities that are mm. some of the best opportunities out there to to have to have great careers and to yeah. you know, improve your life and and achieve achieve all those personal goals that you might have, to, you know, own a house, have a big car and all, all those yeah. things. <laughs> if those are your goals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Definitely. Thank you so, so much, Savva. How can people connect with your work, follow your journey?
1: Ah, oh, I'm not. It's, I'm trying to get good at that. I'm, I'm a bit quiet, <laughs> to be honest, on the old social media. Um, I don't. Uh, I, I guess all I can. I mean, people can reach out to me. And, and I, I have done some talks for young people looking at careers in tech. And, and I hope to continue that because it's very important for me personally to kind of tell people that they don't have to follow that. The things mm. we've been talking about. Right. Um, so hopefully I'll be doing more of that. People can always reach out to me, email LinkedIn. I you, you can Google me and find me. It's it's not hard. There's only one Sabastinovska on planet Earth, so you won't mm. get me mixed up with anybody else. <laughs> Um, but I guess like all I can say to people is like, if, if my story helps and great, but I just encourage people to take risks and find their own path because what works for me might not work for other people. And we're all Mm. different. People need to find what works for themselves. But I just, I think what the message is like, don't accept things and that you have to be a certain way is it's, or that. There's a right and there's a wrong for you dictated by somebody else because it there isn't that's rubbish and you've yeah. got to work if you, if you want to be happy, just work it out for yourself and enjoy working it out for mm. yourself. It's, yeah. it's that, that's 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 the takeaway, I think. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you
0: so, so, so much. I'll share the link to Sabah's website in the show notes, um, and just yeah, reach out to either of us if you connected with anything that we shared today. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Limitless Career Podcast, where you hear the how, why, and what it takes to build a career that stands out. If anything from today's episode has impacted you, I'd love to hear about it. So reach out on social media or by email. Don't forget to check the links in the show notes to find out how we can work together, get your hands on some juicy resources and join the mailing list for more fuel for your ambition. Until next time, take care.